This is the Totally One Podcast recorded from Dr. Comics. I'm James Von Blum. And I'm Nick Rowe. Yes, you are Nick Rowe. A somewhat regular introduction this week because we are back. I was, yes, we're back. We've been gone for a while. Sorry about that. I hope you stuck with us. Entirely um, my fault, so I apologize. <laughs> I know that uh, our our Facebook blew up while we were gone. So uh, really, yeah. To what extent? Like, uh, I mean, we were getting like fifty to seventy likes a day, or fifty to seventy views a day, or something like that. Wow, that's pretty solid. Yeah. So okay, well, welcome all you new Facebook people. Yeah, for all your people who are like, what what is this podcast? What are they doing? Oh, nothing. Hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't use Facebook, so James will have to, uh, you know, fill me in on the details. Yeah. Know, so. Um, but we're we're back, and uh, you know, you you did a normal. Actually, it's funny. I went back and listened to a bunch of the the old episodes, and I just got used to you doing your funny intro. <laughs> You know, I, I, I got to actually commit to a list now to kind of, like, uh-huh. come up with new ones. Oh, no, 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 now you, no, that's not good, because that, now you're just going to, like, push yourself to do, like, something weird. I know, I know, and it's going to be magical. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, I would come up with it kind of on the fly, yeah. maybe 10 seconds before I actually had to introduce myself on the podcast, and, you know, sometimes I repeat, I repeat myself, uh-huh. that happened a couple times, but... You know, now I think if I make a list, it'll be truly original, oh, okay. wacky I guess every week. Uh, I'm going to do my spinoff show called Nick Rose Magic. Nick Rose Magic. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm good with that. Cool. So what have you been up to this week? Or what have you been up to since we've been gone? I don't have a whole lot to report, honestly. Okay. Uh, you know, a little bit of reading here, a little bit of gaming there, mm-hmm. but otherwise just kind of laying low, honestly. Wow. What about you? What's what's been going on? In I the have few really months? gotten into like Gunpla. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. So I start. I bought a bunch of kits. I've got, I've got some uh, high grades, some master grades. I've got one. Uh, uh, I got the Gundam Xia lighting kit, the perfect grade kit. Oh, uh, th- so this kit. We actually got it in on a special order. Oh, really? And all of us were drooling over it because it was <laughs> yeah. so cool. Because no one realized at first that it lit up. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of looking at it like, this box is really big. And I looked <laughs> at the back and it was like, it lights up. It has like functional lighting or, yeah. or transition lighting. And I was like, this is way too cool not to get a photograph. Yeah. So I'm, I'm working my way up there. Like I, I built my first, uh, well, I built a, an SD kit and then I, I built... Uh, I just finished my first uh, Master Grade kit. Oh, nice! So it's uh, the uh, Gundam uh, Gundam Wing Zero EW or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know which one that is. I, I, yeah, no, it's it's the one with wings. That's I don't know. See, honestly, I don't know. Not that. narrowing it down very much. Right. <laughs> no, like uh, like Angel Wings, basically. Yeah, it's it's the one from uh, it's the one that's usually on the cover of Gundam or uh, Endless Walls. Right, right, the, the exactly. Uh huh, exactly. So I, I just li- I really like that design. I honestly don't know that much about Gundam. Um, but I, I just like started buying the kits just by um, by by aesthetic, basically like oh I like this I like the way this looks I, I you know I really want to get this kit. I started watching like a bunch of YouTube and like learning how to fix seams and you know do some other things. Um, I got I got my I got myself a project uh, table and a light. Oh wow! 
Yeah. You got yourself the the pro cutting tools. And yeah, the pro, I did. Like, yeah, I did. So nice. I'm I'm really getting into it. So that's it's been a lot of fun. Like I can't wait to work on my next kit. So yeah, it's you know it's a for real thing, and there's competitions even. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it's really cool. And on on Instagram, there I've been seeing a lot of photos of the like these custom Gundam or Gunpla that people have done, and it's just some people have just done some like amazing work. Some of the we used to have a customer who ordered Hobby Japan mm-hmm. uh, every month. Uh, and so, of course, when we got it in, we'd have to have Hobby hey. Japan Minute where we kind of flip yeah, through. flip through it, yeah. And they have an extensive custom Gundam section mm-hmm. in every issue. And some of the craziest ones I saw was was one guy who only built the top half of the Gundam. Oh, okay. Uh, but also cut it, cut the bottom half to make it look like it, it had been severed by a beam sword or something ah, like that. Nice. And then painted it painted it with a tinge of green and uh-huh. added like fake moss to it oh. and put it on a base to make oh, it look like it had been that's it pretty been, sweet like, lodged in the ground yeah, for, yeah, for like yeah, 20 yeah. years yeah or the guys that that actually cut sections out of it and then put wiring in to, mm. to make it look like the internal structure of the gundam nice to give it battle damage and oh all that's that stuff. pretty sweet yeah i mean people i've seen some photos of people that do like some crazy things with weathering and stuff like that yeah once you get into airbrushing that's, yeah that's the big leagues right there or i saw like on instagram I, I wish i remembered who it was but somebody did um they did they did one where they they painted it to look like cell shaded basically oh man so basically at first i thought i was looking at a drawing mm-hmm. but then i realized oh i'm like oh that's a real object yeah yeah, it's it's nuts the level of detail that that these guys put into yeah. these model kits. So you're on your way there. <laughs> I am. Yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun. So I guess that's what I've been up to, like reading comics, building Gunpla, dividing my time between Gunpla and Lego. You know, that's a good good division. Of I got time the right there. I got the massive like uh, UCS uh, Millennium Falcon. Oh wow! The it's it's the Lego Millennium. Yeah, Falcon? Lego Millennium Falcon. Wow! It's like seven thousand pieces. Oh my god! <laughs> can you actually take off a section of it? And uh-huh. you Can oh, that's super cool. Yeah, it's got little. Um, it's basically a vehicle and a playset. So it has like little sections inside where you can like put your little minifigs and stuff like that. It's it's like the the old Millennium Falcon, mm-hmm. right? Where you could actually lift the top off and, and um, put your figures inside. So, sort of. Basically, it has little panels that you can take off. Oh, okay, okay. Like, I don't... You can't see the entire interior. Although, I'm sure you could mod it to do that. The Lego custom community is also pretty <laughs> outrageous. Yeah. My, my uncle, although he refuses to, to add it to any kind of, like, fandom discourse, but he makes his own castles oh, all nice. the time. And, oh, that's pretty sweet. Uh, he actually engineers these things so that, you know, the drawbridge is functional. Oh, the the wow. iron portcullis is, is functional. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he's, he has, a, a like, a lever pulley transit system <laughs> to get up to the top tower. Oh, really? And... Every time he builds it, you can actually take sections off oh, in, order wow. to, in order to get inside. Yeah. Not to mention the fact that he color coordinates every section, <laughs> too. It's ridiculous. How big are these, uh, well, the, the, the mocks, my own creations? Uh, I'd say his castles are usually usually about like five feet 
five by five feet. Wow. Or maybe even bigger sometimes. Wow. He he has those those like big bases, mm-hmm. and he actually puts a, puts four of them side by side. Oh, okay. And then builds the castle on top of that. Oh, gotcha. Wow. To give it kind of a kind of a ground base, mm-hmm. but you know he he. His castles are always really what impressive. a what a niche thing to do. That's pretty cool. Yeah, is, is he's not on Instagram or anything nope. like that. Doesn't oh, do any God, of that he should be. He just does it for his own personal enjoyment. Wow. So, but this is also a guy who is really into uh, model trains as well. Okay. And yeah. in his previous house, he actually had a model train going for this um, this shelving that was around one of the one of the li- like the the family room area in, uh-huh. in his house but the shelving had a uh, had a curvature to it okay and so he had to he's also like a crazy math whiz <laughs> so he actually calculated a like the the curve in order to compensate for the power in the the model train engine oh wow so that it could actually cl- so that the curve the curve of the track uh-huh. wasn't enough that the that the train couldn't actually move up it wouldn't it wouldn't derail or it yeah. couldn't go up it or whatever so the momentum of going down one side was enough to carry it up and, and along with the power of the engine was enough to carry oh kind of like a side. like a roller coaster yeah uh-huh but he actually calculated all of that mathematically wow. before he laid the track wow wow so that that's the kind of attention to detail he, he applies so, to his uh so his how castles. long uh how long has he been building lego um many 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 years <laughs> Most of his life, I assume. Uh, not most of his life. It's, uh-huh. it's he, he started doing this kind of thing more, you know, in his like thirties, forties, maybe. Oh wow! So, there you go. Cool. That's awesome. God, I really now I really want to see his collection. I'll, I'll have to get some pictures from yeah. him, and I'll I'll show you next time. That's pretty sweet. Um, but anyway, this week we're talking about Solanine. Yes, uh, Inio, one of Inio Asano's earlier English releases. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as his timeline of, of releases in Japan, this yeah. is kind of kind of early. He'd already had a couple books by this point, but this <clears> was you know this was I think his first release in English over here. It came out in uh, so okay, I think it came out in, in English in two thousand nine. Um, it was released in Japan between 2005 and 2006. Right. And I think it came out here shortly thereafter. Uh-huh, yeah. Um, it, it's been in print in English for a long time. Uh, but this is very, very different to Poon Poon, and this is kind of a good way to, yeah. to punctuate so, our uh, discussion. Sorry on to Poon cut Poon. you off. I want to no, say so that this is going to be a, a spoiler-heavy episode. Right. So... If you haven't read Solanine, please stop this podcast and go read Solanine. Um, it's I don't want to spoil it, but it's it's well worth reading. Um, it's it's one of, it's my favorite work of Asano's, uh-huh. um, and it's it's pretty high up there for me in terms of my all time favorites. Okay, um, it just in terms of the of you know the tone and a lot of the stuff we're going to talk about. So do you want to do you want to talk about like non spoiler stuff first or? Just kind of like give an overview of what the book is about. I think, an, uh, you know, I, I, I think an overview would be a good way to start. Yeah, I guess. So it's it's about a group of uh, group of friends who meet in college. Yep. They've graduated college. Like two years. They they've been out of college for two years, so they're in their like early twenties. And uh, they're trying to figure out life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to describe it. What are some of the main themes? Um, I I think some of the main th- main themes. Uh, 
our really, you know, responsibility, mm-hmm. um, what adulthood actually means. Yeah, uh, I mean, one of the main, without, I mean, this is kind of a minor spoiler, but one of the main themes is, like, basically let, letting go of childhood. And, and kind of moving forward into what, in, into expectations of adulthood, right. I think is the, is the right way to look what, at what it. What adulthood looks like, and, and I think everybody struggles with this. What is what does adulthood look like? What does that look like for you? What does it look like for me? You know, like and you know, and especially in, when you're in college, right? Uh-huh. You know, when, when you're at that point where you have to decide on a major, you know, yeah. Who very few people know that you know I'm gonna do this and I'm it's gonna lead to this, right? And it's gonna be all good. I know? would say almost nobody. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's, I I I when when I went into college, I was like, oh, I'm gonna do this, and I was like. Oh, I don't want to do this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, you get that you think you have this kind of idealized uh, perception of what it is you're going to be doing. Mm-hmm. And then when you get there to do the work, it's like, nah, I'm good. And so these characters are really, they're still kind of struggling with that. Like, what are we going to do with ourselves? Right. I mean, that's a, that is definitely one of the central themes. What are we going to do with ourselves? Right. And, you know, some some characters are more successful with that than others. Yeah. Uh, but you know, but all in all, it's, it, it presents a, a lot of really different, a, a lot of different perspectives on the yeah. matter. So we, we, we've kind of buried the lead, but the two, the main characters are, are uh, uh, Taneda and Mako and, and uh, they're, and they're a couple and they've been going out together since college. And you know, their relationship is, they, they seem to be happy and yeah. they seem to be fine. And they're, they're both content with kind of wandering. Uh huh. Um, and that's a, yes, that's a good way of putting it. They're, they're kind of wandering. And you know, Taneda is, is in this band and mm-hmm. he's maybe trying to hope to actually make that his thing. And is the know, band called Rati? I honestly can't remember what yeah. the band's name is called. But Something like that. You know, and he's he's this you know he's the hotshot guitarist vocalist from uh-huh. and they're they're hoping to get discovered. And, and he's he's kind of obsessed with music. Yeah, Mako is to a to an extent, but I don't I don't think she really not is. quite like Taneda. Right. But she's she's trying to figure out what she likes actually. Yeah, and that's you know since she's the central character, that's uh-huh. that you kind of get her perspective on right. that throughout the throughout the book. But uh, you know, T- Taneda is very head in the clouds, yeah. idealistic, uh, very aimless. He's while... kind of like uh, you know, like kind of post-punk kind of character. You know, I think their band is very much punk. Yeah, I, I think, or or like a Japanese pop version of, uh-huh. of what punk is. Sure. And uh, Mako is a little bit more grounded and and kind of has her eyes on reality a little bit more. Sort of. Sort of to an extent, but yeah. that, that does become kind of a central conflict in their relationship. Mm-hmm. So, um, so is there any other themes that you can think of that are in the book? I I, I think those are the main those are the main themes. Uh-huh. Anything else would require a little bit of little bit of critical digging. To, should we to should we go into out. like some spoiler territory here? Yeah, yeah. Let's okay. Do it. So um, again, if you haven't if you haven't read the book, please stop the podcast, um, read the book, uh, and just fair warning, we're we're gonna go into like some deep deep spoilers into in this podcast. It's available from Viz. It's still in print. It's never gone out of print. Yeah. So get it. It's great. Available print and digital. So that's true. Yep. Um, okay, so what do you want to talk about? Should we talk about Taneda or Mako first, or what do you want to... 
say uh, about this? Well, since Mako is more or less the main character, right. I think we should start with her. Okay. So basically, the the book starts with her being like an office worker. I would actually, I would say both her and Tanada are what my mom would call functionally depressed. And um, that, that's that tends to be an inescapable thing of Asano's books as well. <laughs> as functionally yeah. depressed people. Yeah. Um, Mako just decides to quit her. She up and quits her job. And Tanada is working as a part-time illustrator for, I think, an ad agency. And he's he's trying, you know, they ha- he has this band. They're kind of struggling. Um, they're not really doing anything with the band. But he's just, he's working part-time just to help, uh, uh, basically help Mako pay the rent. Yeah, and, and, you know, she's carrying the bulk of the weight in that relationship as uh-huh. well. And, and, you know, he's more or less sponging off of that. Yeah. And, and they do have kind of um, it's kind of, he he is kind of the subservient character in in the relationship. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He's he's kind of there, and he it's lives a little by bit of limbs. a little gender reversal kind of. Mm, a little bit, but that's yeah, that's not necessarily atypical in in you know in a Japanese relationship okay. like that. <laughs> Uh, well, I would say, oh, in, in American culture, that that would be a gender right, right, right. gender reversal. So she quits her job, and she is like you said, she's wandering, and she's not. She has plenty of savings, but she's not sure what she wants to do with herself. Um, they both, um, I think, they're both trying to figure it out. You know, they're young adults; they're not sure what to do. And like I said, they're both kind of functionally depressed, so they're like they're not unhappy, but they're uh, they're not happy either. Right, and I, I think a big part of Mako's decision to to quit is that she wants to achieve the same kind of freedom mm-hmm. that that Taneda has. Okay, um, right, and that. And Do you think she's jealous of Taneda? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think I think there is kind of a jealousy factor in there, and. The fact that they've been doing this for so long uh-huh. and that she's kind of been the pillar of support yeah. for, for their relationship is... is I guess... You know, so they met when they were freshmen, so they've been together, like, for six years, let's say. Yeah, yeah. They're, thereabouts. Uh, and that's a, that's a long time for, I think, uh, kind of a college relationship. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, you know, in, in college, the his free spirit attitude kind of, you know, maybe worked a little bit more. Right. But then out in the real world... Well, that's what she found attractive about him initially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, and, and the, the drive for their relationship in the first place. Uh-huh. But, uh, but I think out in the real world, that becomes... That dynamic starts to become a little bit less uh, practical for right. her. Well, and, I think also, like... Again, talking about this, the theme of growing up and, and being like growing up and um, figuring out what an adult is, what that means to them. I think it's like um, when you're young, it's like you expect to be with this person forever. You yeah. know, your boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever. You think that relationship's going to last forever. And especially when you're really young, it's like it's super intense. You're super into each other until you're not. Until you kind of start seeing a side of this person that you may not have seen before, or or as circumstances change, yeah, these new aspects of their personality start emerging. And, and actually, the the characters, they're all young, except I think except for Rip, who's kind of older. Yeah, uh, Rip, who's the drummer in the band. 
the one of the characters actually comments on like, "Oh, you guys have been together forever," and it's like to them, six years seems like a long. It seems like a lifetime. And I remember thinking like, when I was in a relationship for like three years, I remember thinking, "Oh, I've been with this person forever." Well, I think also um, one of the things that I want to bring up is like, so basically when you're in college, you're like 18, 19, 20. And then, so there, I think these characters, I think Taneda and Mako are like 24. So basically like, the, but the difference I'd say between like 18 and 24 is very drastic. When you're 20, you're, you're just out of being a teenager, basically. Yeah. And when you're 24, I think you're, you're really starting to understand what it's like to be to be an adult to to be in the in the real world to not be in a school setting you know not have a safety net yeah being responsible for yourself and being responsible for other people so it's very very different it's like even when you're in a relationship say in a relationship with somebody for 10 years well 10 years is a long time or like again like going back to marriage it's like the idea of marriage lasting forever, I personally, in my opinion, is kind of ridiculous. It's like, do you realize how long forever is? Yeah. Like, your life with this person could be, that could be another 40, 50, 60 years. That's yeah. a long time. And I, I think to an extent as well, a lot of marriages, you know, start thinking that way. Right. And then as time goes on, it realize, the, the both parties realize it's an untenable relationship at, at a certain point. I think the thing is that we really grow and change a lot, especially in your 20s. You're still developing as a human being in your 20s, you yeah. know? Um, and, you know, I, I think that really, that that change is starting to really take hold of, you know, of both uh, Mako think, and Taneda. I think Mako in particular. Yeah. She's really starting to feel, like, the weight of, like, what's going on. Yeah, definitely, and I, I I would argue that that Taneda has more or less an equal share of that of that weight. You um, think so? Because, but he's feeling it in a different way. Uh huh. Because you know they've been s- together for so long, and yeah. he's not pulling his weight in the right, in the relationship. Right, right, right. And now he's approaching the point where the expectation is they get married. Uh huh. On top of that. And uh, well, isn't doesn't at, at some point it's like they haven't told their parents that they're together, and you know, and that that's that's a kind of a big deal, uh-huh. you know? Yeah, and uh, and especially if if you know if the your partner doesn't jive with your parents, right. That's you know that's another point of contention in the relationship. Right. Yeah, but the fact that they've been together so long, they hadn't taken that step, mm-hmm. and they haven't really actually they they never really actually address like what their relationship is. Uh-huh. You know, it's just kind of this nebulous thing that they that they live with on a day to day basis. Yeah, and but I think when it starts, they're both kind of fine with that. Right. But as Mako right. moves forward, she's saying, "I need more." Well, especially after she quits her job. Yeah. She's um, so sorry. What were you gonna say? Like, well, I, I was just gonna say that that as you know, when when she quits her job like that, you know, she it's it's not just a move to to kind of find herself. Mm-hmm. It's to find herself and figure out what it is there, what the relationship really is. And I think what it's, it means it's I think it's also like, what am I really doing? Yeah, 
and that too. I mean, uh-huh. there, there's a lot going on at the same, you know, all at once when she quits her job and start just starts kind of living day to day. Yeah. Um, you know, and she, I, I think she does try that whole head in the clouds approach too. <laughs> yeah, definitely, and, definitely. She, for the first, I think, quarter of the book, she's just kind of drifting. It's, it's, you know, that's kind of an important process, I would uh-huh. say. You know, you kind of have to drift a little bit to, to figure out what direction you want to, you want to plan a foot in. Yeah. Know, in the direction of. Yeah. It's a horrible sentence, but <laughs> it's a very bigly sentence. A big, oh no. Yeah. It was oh, that a, caliber sentence. It's a bigly sentence. Yeah. Oh, it's the best. Yeah. It's, it's the bestest. It's the greatest ever. <laughs> Being in a Asano book. I, reading get, reading through the early part of the book, I kept thinking, when is the other shoe going to drop? Because at, at one point, Tineda quits his job as well. And that becomes a huge problem for Mako. Yeah. You know, because now all of a sudden... Well, that puts a huge strain on their relationship. Because now you're talking about, now they're in financial trouble. Yeah. They, they no longer have, you know... When she was working, they had they had financial stability. Right. When she quit their job, it was a little. Or when she quit her job, it was kind of shaky and kind of. Well, she had savings. Yeah. So that's why she was able to drift for a while. Yeah, but you know, with no with no income flow, that uh-huh. savings can only last so long. And, yeah. You know, and if circumstances change, then it's a problem. Right. But you know, she she was willing to to take that risk with him with uh, with Taneda, and you know it's fine, you know. Yeah. But yeah, he quits his job, and then all of a sudden that burden gets shifted back to her, right? Because he doesn't have any savings. So so again, being in a sauna book, I kept waiting for the other shoe to drop, and it does happen eventually. Yeah, but not anywhere close to to his other. I, I mean, it's it's a very serious moment, right? And it's very. It's a very uh, heavy moment. So I think when they both quit their job, and, and and like you said, when the burden shifts back to Mako, that really brings their relationship to a head. I mean, he makes the relationship real. Yeah, and it, it, it makes their situ- their living situation less of kind of a, a college dream right? and more an adult reality. I mean, at one point, like, uh, Mako... She forgets to pay the the heating bill. Yeah, you know, and it's like they're stuck taking cold showers, right? And like that's really unpleasant, you know. Like I can't imagine. I I, I think it's worth noting too that uh, Taneda is is more like the level of sponginess he has in that relationship. I mean, Mako is doing everything on mm-hmm. the, on the the responsibility side. Well, yes, and she's trying to encourage him to to really take the band seriously. Yeah. Because she sees something in him, like, oh, you can do this. You know, guy, you just got to, like, you got to do it. You got to get in there. You got to commit and really, and really right. you know, and do it. Just do it. <laughs> Achieve your dreams. <laughs> Uh, for, for all your, uh, uh, that's, that really threw me off there. That's, uh, that's what does, that's a, a, what's his name? Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf? Yeah. Just do it! (laughs) Don't wait! Just do it! (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, I, I think the weight of the world is really pressing on Mako. And she's not really a responsible person. You know, not at that point. 
No, no, and and the level of responsibility that that she that she's she not drops ready into. For, she's not ready for that burden. Yeah, no, yeah, definitely. But I, I, you know, the contrast between when she's working and when she's not working, uh-huh. and when and then when he quits his job is that. You know, she kind of manages to maintain that level of responsibility. Right. But as she's trying to find herself, she's entirely focused on that. Right. And the fact that that Taneda more or less forces her to divert focus away from herself to all this other stuff right. is one of the major is one of the central conflicts uh-huh. that they that they engage in. Yeah. Um, but also Taneda to an extent, you know, the the fact that all he has this oh crap moment mm-hmm. when he has to start actually looking at start looking at things seriously and start applying himself as well and taking the band seriously and taking the band seriously and he can't deal with that he can't deal with that pressure well they they do before that though they do he does eventually come up with a plan like oh we're going to make a CD and chop it around and if if we if nobody picks up the picks us nobody if nobody signs us to a contract I'm gonna dissolve the band and you know and and Mako when he does that Mako is on board right and she you know and they I I think the control on that point is is more on her shoulders than anything yeah and she kind of reestablishes control uh-huh. in their relationship at that point um, I you know I I also wanted to bring up uh, what's his name. Uh, uh, Yamada, uh, uh, Jiro. Yeah, but he's, he's he's called Rip. Yeah, he's called Rip. Uh huh. Um, I, I wanted to bring him up because he is where whereas Mako and uh, Taneda are are the experiment. Mm-hmm. Rip is the control. Right. Because he's one of those people that right out of college he just takes over his family's business. Yeah. And he's employed. He's good to go. He's you know he's he's able to to be a functional responsible adult. <laughs> and that's he's that. he's definitely the most adult person in their group. And he you know he often provides. There there are a few moments in that book where he really sits down with Mako and, mm-hmm. and is like, "Look, this is how it is. You know, yeah. you just gotta you yeah. just gotta do what's right for you and do stuff and also be functional." Yeah, you know? right. So I, I like like I said, I think he's the control, mm-hmm. and Mako kind of is able to absorb you know absorb some of that information that yeah. he gives. Yeah, Taneda can't. <laughs> he, no. he's just it's impossible for him to. He's stuck. Yeah. He is stuck. He's definitely stuck. And whether or not that's that's a product of his depression mm-hmm. or or his willingness to actually like, you know, to do it, uh, <laughs> I, I, it that that's that's kind of a, a you know a point that that's worthy of discussion. Yeah. But I don't know that there's an answer to that. Um, ripping the control point. No, 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 no. Uh, Taneda, uh, Taneda, either being depressed to a point oh. where he's unable to do this uh-huh. stuff or whether or not he he is just is just so willfully irresponsible that he can't that that's a really I mean, horrible we, way of phrasing we, it. We we know the answer to that actually yeah. because the major spoiler is Tanita dies. He commits suicide. Sort of. Yes. Yes, in the way that I would say that he kind of will... It's an accident, but he wills it. He basically wills it to happen. 
in the you know in in the last moment when it's already too late, right? He has this moment where he's like, "I don't want this." Yeah, and then, you know, it's over. Right. But and that, there's, I just want to say, there's a beautiful moment in the book where you just get like Tanita's last moments. Yeah, and it reflects on like first meeting Mako, and he's he realizes, "Oh, I'm gonna go home," and he passes away. Yeah, and that was that was the shoe dropping. I was like, "Oh, there it is." <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I think as far as the way the moments presented and kind of the build up and follow up to that moment, uh-huh. it's nowhere near as as heavy. I mean, it's it's heavy, but it's nowhere. It's nothing like stuff that happens in Poon Poon um, or Nijigahara Holograph. It's or, not. You know, um... How do I want to put it? It's tragic, but it's not as uh, there's not the it's it's melancholy. Yes, not visceral. Yes, I think that that's the that's the way to yes. approach it. Yeah, it's like poom poom. You run through the meat grinder. You run through the meat grinder, and then you run through a pro- <laughs> a food processor, and then you get thrown in an oven. Uh-huh. You know, but we've already talked about that. So yeah, uh, but as far as this, I think. To an extent, there's a level of catharsis in well, that moment as well. Tanae's death really changes Mako. It really, I mean, it, it's like she she starts to understand him on a, on a much deeper level. Um, she really, she, figure out, she figures out who she is and what she wants to do because of his death. Like, his, she turns his tragedy into something that really helps her... It helps her to figure out what what her adult life is going to look like. Like, she really, she literally talks about, like, oh, I figure out what the name Solanine means. Like, it's actually Taneda saying goodbye to his childhood. Yeah, definitely. And, and you know, and unfortunately, the way he finally says goodbye to it is, is you know... Is, by, by passing away, by yeah. dying. I, I don't know if you agree with this, but I think his death... It does wake her up to adulthood, mm-hmm. but it also wakes her up to the fact that you know she, in a sense, in, in a in a way, is going down the same path that Taneda eventually went down, and it's a wake up call for right. to her to you know to actually examine where her where her sorrows and where her depression was coming from. In a way, she takes on his life. But not in a not in a creepy way. It's 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 almost like the way I examine it is that she 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 falls down she falls down the path that she was always meant to fall down. You know that that moment where she takes over for him and she takes over for him in the band yeah. and performs that final song. Right. She I, you know. she in the end she performs Soul Need and it's this like major catharsis, like oh my god, it's like this waver relief like. She's literally, she's sweating. She's like curled over. Like, it's like, oh my God, I did it. It's, it's closure. Right. She's providing closure for not only that chapter in her life, but also for, for her relationship with Taneda and uh-huh. Taneda himself. Right. Because, you know, I, I, I'm pretty sure she knows that Taneda wanted to be able to do this himself and right. wanted to keep going. Right. But, you know, circumstances happened uh-huh the way they did uh but yeah it's it's you know honestly it's it's a really beautiful moment in that right. comic when that happens because 
not only is is the band all super juiced and into it, right. she's she's energized, and she's you can, passionate, and you can feel it. it Asano does a really good job of conveying that passion uh-huh. and really and really expressing it throughout that entire. Sequence. It's definitely it's the most passion you, she's had in the entire book. Yeah, and you know it's it's a fit it's very fitting that 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 passion explosion is kind of the the one of the closing points of the book. I, although I understand that there's a new chapter that they're oh, going to the, add to the Japanese edition. But. There's um well there's a um there is an epilogue yeah. where basically it takes place I think six months afterward after the concert. Um is is that in the book that you read? I may have an earlier edition then. Okay. Because I I don't I don't think I have that one. Yeah. So basically, six months has happened. Um, she they they're still they're still continuing the band. Um, I don't know. Is originally the is the concert originally the end of the book? As far as I remember, yeah. Uh huh. Um, I because I, 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 I went back and, and kind of flipped through my book, and that's that's like the end point of the mm-hmm. story. So I'll, I'll go look at it again um, and see. I mean, if that was the end, that that's a fitting end. But it's like uh, the 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 epilogue. I think is like it's kind of open ended, but it's like. You know, Miko's like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do with this band, but I think we're going to keep going, you know? Okay. Well, I'll, I'll check on that and report back, but... Sure. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah. I, do you have any final thoughts on, uh, on, on Soul Indian? I think it's a, it's a beautiful book. It's well worth the read. It's... Um, again, I just love Asano's, like, expressions and the way he character, he captures, characters' emotions. Yeah. It's definitely, I relate to Mako and Taneda in a way, you know, like trying to find myself, not knowing what I want to do with myself. Um, just being, at one point, Taneda tells off one of these record executives, like, um, you're a sellout. You know, he's, he's definitely like punk. He has this punk rock attitude. You know, that reminds me of being in high school, you know. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> um, it's it definitely a good essay about like leaving your early 20s and entering your mid you know your mid to late 20s and like into your 30s and stuff like that and i i think i think this is asano's strongest work uh-huh because simply because the level of positivity you get in the end you don't see coming oh yeah and it's it you know you're writing this kind of you're writing this kind of up and down story that that ends up going in a pretty bad direction. Uh-huh. But then he turns it around and right. says, "Look, you can you can uh, achieve positive change yeah. from tragedy, and that it's never too late, and that you can always turn it around. And that's uncharacteristically positive <laughs> of Asano. But yeah. that aside, you know, I I think that's what makes it." what makes it his strongest work uh-huh. is that message that you know yes sometimes you have to endure hardship and tragedy and sadness yeah. but it's you know even if you're in moments you know you're in the moments before your death and you can see it coming right you can still turn it around yeah. and change and i think that's a really valuable message and a really important message yeah so uh i one one quick thing we're running out of time there's two Easter eggs in this. I don't know if you caught it, but this this book was written, I think, almost ten years before Poon Poon. Yeah. And there's 
Poon Poon appears in the book. Does he? Yes. There's a one of you. You know the chapter interstitials. Uh, yes. There's one page one on one of the interstitials where he drew a little Poon Poon on the book, <laughs> and then also one of the characters was wearing a T-shirt with Poon Poon on it. Uh, okay. So maybe Poon Poon was already kind of percolating. In, in and we Sonic know Brand. that there's a connection because in Poon Poon, Sachi is drawing this book. Yeah, Sachi's drawing Solanine in, in, in Goodnight Poon Poon. <laughs> so I, I don't want to say they're, they're spiritual companions mm-hmm. because that's not fair to Solanine. Uh, and, and, you know, that's also not fair to Poon Poon in the sense that it would totally unbalance the the depression fest of Poon Poon, but it's those are really neat Easter eggs. Yeah, it's interesting. It's very. I was like, oh my god, Poon Poon, <laughs> get out of this book. Get out of here. <laughs> so anyway, uh, we're running out of time. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can follow me at at I am Von Blum and Instagram. You can follow me at SPD4649. You can find the store at Doctor Comics Mister Games on Facebook, Twitter. Tumblr, blah, blah, Instagram, blah. <laughs> everywhere, really. You're actually on Instagram now. I am, but I don't recommend anyone follows me. <laughs> You're doing it right. I'm, I'm uh, poop posting to the best of my ability. <laughs> um, if you want to talk about this uh, show, please use the, use the hashtag TotallyWhelmed. Uh, let us know what you thought about our talk about Solanine, if you want to hear more of this. Uh, and... You can find this show on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash, uh, slash totally whelmed, to- sorry, totally dash whelmed, and we're on iTunes. Absolutely. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're kind of the, the structure of this podcast going forward is we're going to pick kind of one central thing to talk about, one book, generally speaking. Yeah. And uh, so if you like that, if you want to hear us talk about something specific, yeah. let us know and we can definitely adapt and talk about it. I think we're going to try and cover some um, maybe less mainstream things, I think. Yeah, I'm more keen on covering non-Marvel DC things. (laughs) Yeah. I'm good with that. Cool. So uh, we'll see you next week. Read some comics. Comics.